Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Wow, do we have a lot to cover today. What a crazy day yesterday it was in UK politics. Um, Yeah, many of us predicted there'd be orchestrated trouble at London and then there'd be more uh, calls uh, for policing uh, at the protests. But I don't think there was one single person that had uh, David Cameron returning to government on their political bingo card. Uh, That one, that one came out of the blue. So we will be covering that in more detail later. And then there's another ex-politician. He's got no intention of helping others. Uh, He was formerly championed a man of the people. Nigel Farage has instead uh, landed himself a 1.5 million deal to appear on I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. So make of that what you will. But at least he will be able now to legitimately afford his Coots bank account if he wanted to go back to them. He's finally got the money again. Uh, But one thing before I go, I thought I'd uh, end it with a nice little Natalie rant this morning. Um, Something that's really bothering me at the moment. Um, I want to know why there are so many crazy people in the UK right now putting up their Christmas trees. I have seen pictures all over social media. Uh, I just keep seeing Christmas trees. I'm driving around in the evening. I can see them in people's houses already in the window. Um, I am a Grinch and I hate Christmas and I don't understand why the festive season has been extended. We are, you know, yesterday we weren't even halfway through November. Um, So, yeah, I want to know your feelings on the online chat. When are you putting up your Christmas tree? Are you a Grinch like me? Because I'm saying there are lots of misers out there that are grumpy like me and you're putting us all in a bad mood. So if you want to enjoy it, please keep it to yourself. But please don't share any more pictures of your Christmas trees until it's actually at least the 1st of December. So, yeah, let us know in the online chat uh, what you think. Uh, don't go away and uh, we'll be checking in with Rick and Gemma here at TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, guys. Please don't say you put your Christmas tree up, either of you. I put mine up in August. I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. We actually don't have a Christmas tree at the minute. I kid you not. So how's that? I can out Grinch you. Not because yeah. I'm a Grinch, though, because when we moved, we chucked our last one out. Uh, the cat has been destroying it for the last few years. So there's almost none of it left. So we binned it and uh, we're currently in the market, on the market, looking the market now for a new Christmas tree for this year. It has to be green and pre-lit Buy a pre-lit one so you don't have to drip all those lights around it. You just plug it in, hit it, and then when it's all over, you just fold it up, throw it in a box, and dispose of it again into the garage. That's my tip. Or I've got, I've got an idea for you. You could just not buy a Christmas tree and go with the uh, social normities. You could you could be a real rebel, Rick, just for putting the I, idea I, out I, there. Uh, sorry, but I, I do <laughs> like I, – I can do without all the – kerfuffle of Christmas but there are certain little things that I like and I like the tree up in December and just chilling out to the end of the year and then New Year's Eve 
down it comes and then it's all forgotten about. That's the way I tackle it. I ha- I have a tree that's only about uh, uh, well, two foot and it's, it's that, that's it. I have a little flat, it's a two foot Christmas tree and that comes up, puts up about a week before Christmas and then gets put down a couple of days later. Gemma, please say you haven't put your Christmas tree up yet. Oh, Natalie. Oh, no. I fear you. No, I haven't put it up, but I didn't have one last year because I'd only recently moved house and everything was in disarray. And um, this year, because of that, I kind of thought I was thinking about it. You must have kind of had your spider sense tingling because I thought, I think I'm going to put the tree up. I've already started eating mince pies. I've done all my Christmas food shopping, put my Christmas orders in. I don't, I'm not like massive on it, but this year I just feel like I want to kind of, I don't know, treat myself a little bit, I think. And um, yeah, and I used to do the tree with my grandma, and she, but she used to sit in the chair with a glass of Baileys. We used to share a bottle of Baileys between us. Well, well, Jemsy, Jemsy, that bauble needs to go higher, lower, higher. And I kind of, I, the one, the one time I nearly demolished the bottle of Baileys all on my own was the best Christmas tree I'd ever d- decorated. I seem to have some creative inspiration. Uh, I'm not going to go down that road this year, but um, yeah, I like the, the creative process of doing the tree and all yeah. the family history of the decorations because my family are all gone now. My grands and granddads and my mum and dad, everyone's dead. So it kind of brings back memories which is nice Mm. yeah and interesting that you say that because i did have a rant on twitter about it yesterday and a few people had said they think people are doing it earlier because the mood in the country isn't that great it is a bit demoralized depressed and people just want to bring some positivity and fun and festive cheer into their life and uh, there's me trying to take it away from them uh so wow. yeah i do understand Gemma, and it brings us nicely into the into the uh next story that you've got about people struggling as well well this is the thing i mean reading this this morning here in the uk for both of you i'm sure will be sympathizing with these people i don't even think a lot of people will be doing christmas actually in the uk yes. because do you remember last month we covered the story by the Joseph Roundtree Foundation that was saying that, you know, there are three million, nearly four million adults in the UK now, not just in poverty, but in destitution, which is one below poverty, if there is such a thing. Um, that's when you can't even put food on the table for your own kids or clothe your own kids. That's destitution. Um, but they've issued some more facts and figures today. Um, and they've done a, a survey of people since May this year. And it's, it's really depressing. Um, Two million households in the UK since May have been forced to switch off their fridge or their freezer to save money. And they say this is reflective of now the frightening levels of hardship here in the UK. Um, a quarter of the of the low-income populations have run up debt to pay for food. Debt to pay for food. Um, or a third of people they surveyed had sold belongings to raise money for cash, uh, run money for food. And one in six had used one of the new community warm rooms which were launched last year here in the uk providing safe spaces warm spaces for people to go if they can't afford to heat their homes so this is at the same time though that ministers want to they're they're meeting they want to cut the cost of living payment and try to start phasing it out and they want to um they want to wind it down and they want to cut benefits i mean and david cameron's just come back in all guns blazing he's going to be on 100 grand a year and we've got two million people haven't been using their fridge since May, people are eating rotten food as well because they can't afford to keep the fridge on. You know, food is spoiling, and they're making themselves ill by eating spoiled food that's gone over. This is Britain. This is Britain. We're a first world country, and this is the state of what we're in. Um, and our and our illustrious rulers are saying, no, no, cost of living payment, which is currently now 150 quid for some families. Let's wind it down. Let's wind it down, shall we? So um, yeah, it isn't a nice story to bring on a Tuesday. We've just been talking about Christmas. I think it looks pretty bleak for a lot of families and um you know 
maybe some of the MPs and and our politicians, you know, could maybe forego their Christmas bonus or whatever they get, their expenses at Christmas. God knows what they get. I don't know. But it would be nice if some of that wealth was spread around, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah. Indeed. What do you think, Rick? Well, this uh, two million people uh, at some point since May have having to switch off their fridge. The, the cost of electric has went up like crazy and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be coming down again anytime soon. Same for gas. Uh, so basic, just heating your house these days, whether you have gas, oil or electricity is extremely expensive. And actually, uh, I saw a post from a guy that lives over here. Uh, we follow each other on social media but he said uh he was working from home yesterday now he's doing quite well with it for himself he's not a he's not the how would you say hard up however he said at the minute if my kids are coming to stay because he his kids him and the wife split they come to stay with him sometimes he said i have to not put the heat on during the day if i'm working from home and freeze because i can't afford to have it running all night long with the gas uh, if the kids are coming to stay so you know it is creeping into people uh, it's eating into people's income. And the thing about debt uh, to pay for food, if you actually think about it, a lot of people, when they rack up credit card debt at the minute or um, uh, overdrafts in the bank, it's not necessarily to pay for holidays and it's not necessarily anymore to uh, you know change the car. A lot of people are putting their groceries now on credit cards and they're paying for their gas and electricity and oil bills using credit cards or they're eating into their overdraft to do the weekly food shop. So maybe even some people are sitting and going, well, I, I don't have to borrow money to buy food, but a lot of people indirectly are. Maybe they don't look at it that way, but a lot of people's credit card bills are going through the roof at the minute because all the utilities and maybe food bills uh, are going on there as well. And then of course you're paying interest on that, Gemma. Uh, you're paying 29% interest on your weekly shop as well, which goes to the credit card company. It's it's bad. There's a lot of people having to resort to that, plus uh, food banks as well. It's, it's not good. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Um, uh, the figure two million. It'd be interesting to see how they got to that. I mean, personally, at the moment, um, I don't know anyone who's had to switch their fridge off. I think that I mean these these must be uh, people and who are really living off completely on the breadline and destitute. I know a lot of people struggling who uh, can't afford to put their heating on. Um, who like uh, think about their like car journeys, about petrol, things like that. Um, at the moment, um, I do wonder if it's a slightly fear-mongering headline as well, where um, how they got exactly those statistics um, at the moment. But it's certainly something that will get worse and worse and worse. Number one, if they continue to keep putting up the electric and the gas. Number two, if we see rents and mortgages increase. So this type of thing, it potentially could become you know almost commonplace uh we we talk about south africa often here on the show um you know that this type of thing is is much more um uh normal uh there uh with you know electricity blackouts uh standing in queues uh for food that you know that type of thing uh just because of the level of poverty uh so um yeah it, it's really really sad and um you know, it, it, it's also the poverty gap, like Gemma points out, that it that that is so kind of insulting. You know, you've got somebody like, as you said, David Cameron coming in, who's able to take that job without even being a current MP with, you know, so many people in the country hating him on such a huge wage. 
Well, there are genuinely people who are either living on the street or can't afford to put their, their fridge on um, or who are having to go to a food bank. That that, that hits home and uh, that that kind of unfairness and, and it's that 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 almost what you're born into sometimes that luck of the draw and uh yeah and and the facts that the benefit system needs a heart completely rehaul there's a there's so many people getting benefits that don't need it um that you know like child benefit we've talked about this for instance rich that rick there are um every it's not means tested so people who are basically rich with about four kids will get that however much child benefit absolutely ridiculous that should have been scrapped a long time ago and that should be going to those who need it the most so that's the other problem as well i think so yeah so i've i've, I've said my bit and had my little rant yeah. Gemma. Yeah, but yeah it's i a think very- um well as well yeah. i think there's another element uh, to this is that when there's clearly this problem's getting worse these figures, I haven't seen figures like this, destitution and poverty and people no. switching off their fridges. I mean, I've been in the media my whole career. I've never remember doing stories like this. And when you're uh, cold, tongue- hungry, tired, depressed, stressed, worried, um, you haven't really got a lot of time to consider the bigger picture. You haven't really got a lot of time to challenge the system. You haven't got the energy to challenge the system. And I do think this is why, you know, most of the world is still a developing country because the population is a lot easier to control when all you're really thinking about is putting food on the table. It's a very yeah, good this, control mechanism, this. Very good. Yes. The the fridge thing, by the way, too, it said at some point uh, people have been switching them off. And actually, if you do switch your, your fridge off to save electric, as long as you don't keep opening and closing the door, it will actually keep all the food cool in there maybe for 24 hours. So you can't, people can't actually cycle it uh, without it, maybe uh, the food going off. But the problem is when you open and close the door, then you're letting all the, the cold out and then the food becomes, uh, you know, up the room temperature so it becomes unhealthy and you also mentioned there Gemma about depression uh it's the poverty and destitution and depression go hand in hand and we're always talking here about mental health awareness and taking care of your mental health and sadly this compounds uh uh, mental health issues for people when they're struggling and then you mix in this run up to Christmas as well and it is a horrid time uh, for many many people especially struggling maybe thinking oh I have to buy Christmas presents and I have to, you know, make an effort, you know, with extra food at Christmas and just a lot of pressure and a lot of extra stress and strain on people that maybe are already uh, suffering with mental health issues too. It doesn't do them any doesn't do them any good. Yeah, and, and and jokes aside, um, I was obviously talking about me being a Grinch, but that is part of the problem for me. Yeah. I have very bad memories of Christmas, and uh, I, I being autistic, I struggle with routine change, and it's suddenly like this huge pressure that you've suddenly got to have all these social obligations at the same time as going out and buying all these presents and um, all those extra things on top of me. I just find really stressful and overwhelming with bad memories, and I think there's a lot of people that feel the same. And also, if you don't have that, you know, happy, supportive family around you that you're supposed to have for me that's a reminder that's something that i don't have so yeah you know it's not a great time for everyone and then when you add uh poverty problems on top of that um uh, you know can be devastating for people and actually it's one of the most awful time and highest rates for suicide as well in the country uh so to to bear that in mind uh but on a lighter note uh mark delaney says before we go i'm going to be turning off my fridge so i can send more money to ukraine and Mazzy says, I'll be actually sending my fridge to Ukraine. So good to see uh, <laughs> in the online chat, um, you know, where we need we need to virtue signal and then where we need to make sure the people who get, you know, need it most 
get the help. So thank you for bringing that to us, Gemma. We will see you tomorrow. And uh, we're going to look at Rishi's reset of his cabinet after uh, the quick break here at TNT Radio. TNT Radio's David McBride and Dr. Robert Brennan. You were an embedded journalist. Now, that was a term that came out of the Pentagon circa something like 2001, 2002. And the psychoanalyst in me thinks that there's a close proximity of that and being in bed with, you know, embedded and in bed with. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think uh, the military is pretty transparent that when they uh, embed journalists and the Australian military, of course, when they're migrating information to the public and, and to journalists, they call them information operations, you know, it, it, it is part of the sort of strategic push. The Australian military is not going to send a journalist unless they think that they are going to get coverage that will in some way be useful to them, I think. Now, that's not necessarily the ideal way of doing it. I think the, I think the Americans have, have actually probably been a little bit better with this over the global war on terror period. But the embedded experience that I had was I had a very dim view of the Iraq invasion. And so, you know, I went to Iraq as someone who was deeply sceptical of, of Australia's involvement the war in Iraq. And then I came back and the truth of the matter was that I had to write a story reflecting what I'd seen, which was that it probably was a good thing that the Australians were doing there and the soldiers were happy to do it as well. McBride and Brennan with David McBride and Dr. Robert Brennan on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, welcome back. Wow. Yesterday, um, it all kicked off just a couple of minutes before yesterday's show. Suella Braverman got the sack and uh, it was just one announcement after the next. It felt like we were back in the good old days of Liz Truss and Quasi Quateng in sack. That's the last day we had such excitement on a day of politics. Um, but yeah, w- what's gone on, Rick? What are the, what are the big headlines from from yesterday? It is mad. Um, the, for, genuinely, okay, a lot of us say, uh, I can't believe this is real. Is this for real? Is this satire? Are they trolling us? Okay, so David Cameron, the ex-British Prime Minister who was in a coalition pact with Nick Clegg from the Liberal Democrats for a long time. David Cameron, by the way, has uh, tried to associate more with the people uh, and he adopted this moniker, just call me Dave, just call me Dave Cameron. (laughs) So Dave uh, is back uh, in government again. Uh, James Cleverly has been appointed as the new Home Secretary. So this is another name that maybe people aren't particularly familiar with, but undoubtedly we'll get to know a little bit more about him. He's just put out a very powerful statement talking about how he will stop the boats. He's going to stop the boats. Well, Suella Braverman said that for at least 12 months, I will stop the boats. She didn't stop the boats. Before her, it was pretty Patel. She said, I will stop the boats. This goes back years and years. Every time they say they're going to stop the boats, right, the problem gets worse. So when they say they've got, remember, inversion, when they say they're going to stop the boats, the problems get worse. But this morning, not like I kid you not, 
I was I had to double and triple check this one. Someone had said that uh, Esther McVeigh, who's a, a a British politician, has been appointed. Uh, I kid you not, as the minister for common sense to tackle wokery uh, within the cabinet and at the British uh, institutions at large, Esther McVeigh. So uh, this is a lady. Uh, and of course, already people are dragging up what she's done. Uh, she's a GB News presenter, uh, a champion of the bedroom tax. Uh, she misled Parliament and had to apologise. And she claimed at least £8,750 in expenses uh, for a personal photographer. And on and on it goes. She has been appointed as the czar for common sense within Rishi Sunak's cabinet. And this is real. This is an actual real appointment i had i couldn't believe it and that takes away all doubt in my mind that they're having a laugh they sat down around that table natalie and they said let's troll them let's appoint esther mcveigh as the czar for common sense for the british people it's mind-blowing i can't take it in i've I've got a confession rick um you know as much as I, i do trust you when you put this on twitter this morning I had to actually check myself because, you know, even though you said you checked, yes. I, thought, I, I, thought, I know you, I'm still I checking it. I'm still to, checking I'm it to see if it's a wind yeah. up. It's not. It's not real. This is this is like something. This is genuinely now they are trolling us. This is mm-hmm. like something like the Ministry of Truth, you know, out of, oh, out of 1984. It's the Minister of Common Sense. And it says her aim is to stand up for working people. Yet she's leading the charge on the government's woke agenda. Mm-hmm. Those are that the actual words that I've re- read from the Telegraph. But the joke and the irony is the great uh, office for great offices of state They've all now been taken by four men. So at a time of wokery, when they're supposedly having a minister for common sense, we've now got the prime minister, the chancellor, checker, the foreign secretary and the home secretary, all four taken by men. Surely the first thing estimate of A should do is come in and say, well, is that a quality, Rick? And, and, unless, you know, if she's, uh, unless those guys all do a U-turn and all start to identify mm-hmm as women May, before the yes. end of this week. James Cleverly says, and by the way, my pronouns are he, her, and Rishi says mine are they, them, and then Esther says, well, mine is he, him. Uh, sounds insane. Remember we said about Justin Trudeau marrying uh, Emmanuel Macron? Well, that's still on the cards by the year end. We still think that's a possibility, but this is this is beyond the joke here. Uh, she uh, Sunak has said the PM hopes the appointment of McVeigh will placate concerns about a shift away from the right. She's currently a backbench uh, MP and part-time presenter of GB News. Listen, Natalie, do not be but- surprised if you get an email or a letter uh, to your little abode in Reading and Rishi reaches out to you uh, to be a minister for something, or me for that matter, if he's uh, going to GB News, maybe he'll come to TNT next. Maybe one of us could land a cabinet position by the end of the year. What do you reckon? Minister for what? Minister for olives and tomato sauce, yeah. Natalie Chill. Oh, t- I think Tim Food. Um, Tim Food. I could be. 
Because that's an important issue in the uh, poverty debate. I could do that. But by the way, I just want to say I just laughed so much because I didn't know what was coming next. When you said she was a GB presenter and then champion of the bedroom, I was like, didn't know you were going to say bedroom tax. I bedroom thought, what tax. is Who's claiming this? But it's okay. <laughs> it was bedroom tax, just to be clear. Um, and just to, before we finish, um, you know, I will just go over uh, the main, you know, ins and outs of the and and it's interesting. The Daily Mail actually put Rishi's reset. They use the word reset as well. I thought that was interesting. Like the Greece Great Reset. Uh, that was that was the main headline. Rishi's reset. So who's out? We've already said Swella Braverman, Teresa Coffey, Jeremy Quinn. Moving with James Cleverly, Steve Barkley. He's gone from Health Secretary to Environmental Secretary. Greg Hans, John Glenn. And then in, David Cameron, Rick Holden, Victoria Atkins and Laura Trott. And staying, unfortunately for most people, is the good old Jeremy Hunt, Hunt. making sure I get yep. that name right. Um, but it does seem to me... And I did say see that um, good old uh, Darren Denslow would put the same on X. It's almost like they don't want to win this election. Yeah, this this reset, you know, this reset of Rishi's cabinet doesn't look like wow. The people are going to be excited about this. This looks like a reset that most people will be thinking. Oh, I'm much more likely to vote for Labour. What do we think, Rick? Yeah, just uh, before we go to the news in this one, another part of the story is in a dramatic twist, uh, 57-year-old ex-PM Cameron was granted a peerage by King Charles this morning to enable him to step into that is that what it was role yes so he's had to be made a peer to allow him to come back um, and step into this role so this has been discussed with charles obviously they didn't just knock on the door of buckingham palace this morning and saying hey charlie uh you know here's dave dave cameron we need you to make him appear because we're going to make him a new uh government minister no this must have all been planned out in advance in cahoots with the how? king i would have thought who shouldn't be interfering in politics how corrupt the whole thing and that's where i think we should leave it let us know what you think in the online chat we're going to take a quick break for the headlines and then we're going to come back and talk about uh the difference between a human face and an ai face here at tnt radio what the hell is this breaking news tnt radio news matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines Turkey as president has vowed to support the reconstruction and recovery of Gaza, but says the final bill for the rebuild will rest with Israel. Donald Trump's attorney has confirmed the former president will file for a mistrial in the civil fraud case against him. And New York is creating a ministry of truth, the state's Democratic governor announcing it's collecting data from surveillance efforts on social media. Did you know there are many ways you can listen to TNT radio? Why not stream us direct from our website on your desktop, tablet or mobile device or download our app from the App Store? We even stream live on YouTube, Rumble and Odyssey. We've got you covered on TNT radio. And locked and loaded. We're back. I was just saying to Rick, to Rick um, I used to come on on a Friday uh, last year on his show, Locked and Loaded. And, uh, you know, because we hadn't seen each other for a week. There was just so mm-hmm. much to talk about. It was crazy. And that is what yesterday felt like. Just one bit of news after the next. Um, absolutely crazy. Uh, but this story is also a bit uh, a bit strange. I'm going to ask Rick if he uh, uh, did the test. So this was a... a uh, 
an article in the Daily Mail, and it claims that scientists say fake faces created by AI look more real than human faces, according to most people. Now, we've spoken a lot about uh, this being a, a, a worry uh, moving forward. AI now is so good, the technology. So there was an actual test. I will put it up so you can do it as well um, on uh, the online chat. And there were 10 faces and they asked, can you get the uh, the five AI faces right and the five uh, human faces and uh, uh, 70 people answered me. I put it up so, you know, I could come on the show and see. Mm-hmm. And of ev- nearly every single person answered different. Yeah, m- nobody got it all right. Um, almost impossible to tell, Rick. I don't know if you did the test, but we are getting to that point now. Uh, it's almost impossible to tell the difference. Well, here's the thing. I, I I couldn't tell the difference, and I'll tell you why I couldn't tell the difference. When I look at these 10 faces, uh, I'm thinking, okay, has the AI made them look less perfect so that it fills us, or has it made them look more perfect so we go, ah, that's obviously a fake. But think about it this. This is why I couldn't differentiate. Nowadays, uh, back in the good old days, before digital cameras and everything else, you know, you got a... a, a, a a film camera, you took photographs of people, you went to Boots, the chemist, you got them developed, and then you had a look at them. There was no filters. Uh, there was no uh, Photoshop. There was no enhancement, artificial enhancement of people's faces. So nowadays, Natalie, the reason why I can't tell the difference is because almost every photograph that you see of everybody online has been somehow touched up or artificially enhanced by software within our phones to make us look let's face it, more perfect because nobody puts a filter on to make himself look worse. It's like, oh, I'm going to give myself a big wart on my chin and a big, uh, you know, uh, facial hair on my top lip, male or female. So what I'm saying is nowadays, I think we're already participating in this anyway, because every time we upload something or pictures of ourselves, let's face it, we all want to look our best. And usually there's a little filter on a little contrast boost in there. And to be honest, I think we're ready AIing our own faces. So for that reason, uh, I couldn't tell the difference because most pictures that appear nowadays in the media have all been doctored anyway, whether or not they're computer generated or not. So no, I can't uh, tell the difference at all. <laughs> I don't even no. want to guess because I might get them all wrong, but they all look, they all look fake-ish to me, whether they're AI generated or not. Yeah, and and that's uh, I mean this so this was just a small study, and yeah. I was able to put it on X and got exactly the same results. But they did a larger study, um, and uh, they had Dr. Dowell and colleagues recruited 124 residents in the US. They were shown 100 real faces and 100 AI faces. Worryingly, four out of the five of the faces judged as human. Most often uh, were actually AI. Meanwhile, four out of the five faces judged as AI were actually human. Uh, funnily enough, though, the authors are concerned about a racial bias because AI algorithms are actually trained disproportionately on white faces. So they haven't had as much training on black faces. Uh, so so racist again. Even even the computers and AI are racist. You just can't get away from it, Rick. But uh, yeah, um, and uh, there was also an Instagram photographer that admits his uh, portraits were AI generated. So he was mm. making an absolute fortune he uh had his own gallery um and uh, making a lot of money and he's eventually had to come out and admit 
that all this beautiful photography of people's faces, he didn't take any of them and he used a program and they were all generated on AI. So, you know, it's a bit of a joke of an article, uh, but I thought I brought it up more to show the worries kind of moving forward. Uh, that how, how are we going to tell when they start putting things in in, in the media, it you is, know, when we start is. seeing people's faces? It is concerning. The first time uh, I saw a deep fake was of Tom Cruise, and it was just some guy playing golf, you know, driving uh, golf balls on a driving range. But it was they put Tom Cruise's head on this guy's body, and it was so perfect you would actually think it was Tom Cruise. And then I thought to myself, well, what uh, abuse would be possible with that? Uh, obviously, with uh, you know the porn industry, it's disgusting. They're doing swaps of people's faces onto uh, people's bodies but also imagine blackmail if they wanted to uh, get you for example and say okay we've got video footage of natalie shoplifting or doing something or drunken disorderly in public it might even be you at all but the technology is getting so good now that your face could be supplanted onto some uh somebody else's head and body and of course you never know. What are the judges going to do in court? Are they going to dissect it all down and forensically examine it, uh, whether or not yep. it's real or not? I don't know. But the the possibility for abuse and setting people up uh, is astronomical in this one. And of course, people then use it as a, a new toy. Uh, I've seen people can create little two-minute movies now with AI. You just type in a spacecraft launch, crashes into Mars, uh, colonization. People are doing movies now, home movies, by just typing in what they want to see, and then the AI spits it up. So uh, I think people are actually embracing this a little bit too much rather than being fearful of it, which is... Yeah, that's that's it. And I think that's, fearful, that's what cautious. this... Yeah. I'm having trouble putting it on the um, online chat, but I'll get it on there as soon as possible. But I, I think the main worry for me is if we can't even tell the difference. I mean, and, and also I can't even trust the Daily Mail. So I can't even trust trust the Daily Mail to know that they were human or AI. This is the point. Uh, you know, we're getting we're, we will be getting in the next couple of years to, you know, they're going to be starting to put stories up with these families. You know, you see, oh, this this family's in destitute and they're in poverty and this terrible thing happened. And we'll see a picture of them, Rick, but they, they, they're not going to exist. The story's not going to exist. They're not going to be real people and there'll be nobody out there to confirm it or that it's true or it's not. So how much power and manipulation is that going to give the media and the government with that tool? And, and that to me is the most worrying thing. Yeah, they would need crisis actors. You know the way they have crisis actors nowadays, just, you know, fake being in bed or dying with COVID. Yes. Or, uh, they won't know, need they, them. They, they won't need them. They'll just be able to AI generate the whole thing. And if you're just watching a clip, for example, on a on a news platform or you're seeing it uh, as part of an embedded clip in an ad somewhere, you aren't going to be able to break that down and decide whether or not it's real or not. So this whole business of question everything, I think it's going to drive us slowly insane because look at even the way we were talking about this whole cabinet reshuffle. Is that real? Is David Cameron actually back? Is Esther McVeigh actually the minister for common sense? You start to question yourself almost as if you're losing your mind. Uh, you don't yes. know what's real it. or not. And it I wonder if that is start as part of the plan. Mm -hmm. uh, like they they were quite happy for people to go mm -hmm. down a rabbit hole and awaken because mm -hmm. you can drive yourself crazy, Rick. 
I mean, yeah. you can start actually thinking all day. Is that real? Is not? Is that not real? And 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 really, uh, you want to try and bring yourself back to reality as much as you can, uh, because we'll never really know the truth about some things, and there has to be some acceptance of that as well. Uh, yep. We'll move to a, another quick story uh, before we uh, go to another break. Uh, Milton Keynes and rough sleeping. We know we've got a massive problem with homelessness in the country. Um, and they seem as they're the only place in the country that seems to have actually found uh, somewhat of a solution. In 2017, there were estimated to be 48 people living rough on the street. That number has fallen to just 16, according to the local council. I mean, we can't rely on those figures, uh, but certainly <coughs> that's a positive thing. Um, in April 2002, the council opened its own shelter for rough sleepers at the city's old bus station. It provided emergency beds for 19 people, but crucially, this is what's so important, and I always keep talking about getting to the root of the problem, not putting a sticky plaster on something, not trying to just, as politicians do, just kind of sweep over the problem. The, on the ground floor of the building, they had access to GP, mental health, addiction services, charities were helping them set up bank accounts, access their benefits, finding housing. They had hairdressers. They had laundry facilities. And so many of them, uh, since the shelter opened, 145 people have stayed there and now in long-term accommodation. Imagine if this could be set up, these type of places could be set up around the country to help those people struggling because it, the support just generally isn't there. So it's good to have some type of uh, positive success story and what what's possible um, to happen if, if yeah. they put the money there. I think what's crucial is you need somebody in these councils that actually genuinely gives a damn about homeless people because a lot of people say, oh, they shake their heads and say, oh, it's terrible or oh, it's awful, but nobody actually maybe does anything about it. So when you have a council or someone that's running a council, maybe that has a passion for trying to help people that are homeless, either getting them off the streets or even providing mental health services for them, it makes a huge difference. And of course, council budgets, we've seen how they can be mismanaged. How many stories have we covered this year where they've uh, yeah. spaffed the money away at wind farms or Birmingham went bust or Leicester City Councillor have got 150 million cash injection and they're still in the red. They're on the verge of bankruptcy. So the money's there, Natalie and Milton Keynes. Uh, I've been there once. I had to go there on a train, of course, for a month uh, when I joined a large multinational bank. And it was horrible, uh, horrible. It was all roundabouts and uh, concrete jungle. I wasn't a big fan of Milton Keynes. But uh, if they've done the right thing here by the homeless people, well, then that's a big salute to them. But it needs people in the council who give a damn and aren't prepared to spaff the money away on nonsense. So a round of applause to the councillors and Milton Keynes for doing something right. Take note other councils because it can't be done it can't be and, done and you know we we recently covered a story didn't we um in reading that they were setting up mm -hmm. uh, a a similar uh place and 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 it wasn't uh, it was only like um six, was it six houses i think that they were yes, doing that's set, right. something a, similar a collective, they bought yeah. six houses, yeah. um but you know we you know veterans particularly have uh we know there are a lot of veterans um who are homeless on the streets and you know, I just don't understand why this hasn't been looked at a long time ago. We we know you, they keep pushing on about sending money to Ukraine, um, 
but um or or other places but it does just seem virtue signaling when you can walk past in reading there's a terrible homeless problem and 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 literally as i walk through the town center there are people in shop doorways and 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 it's like i said that massive kind of poverty gap i just find it very very difficult to to live with or to sleep like even for myself you know I, i'm no politician and it's not even my responsibility but they're on all that money uh and they're happy to take all that money and expenses when they know people are living in shop doorways and uh, they know that the councils are mismanaging all that money and not putting their funding out especially to people who have been, you know actually served uh for us in the army and stuff like that it's it, it, it's hard to take and they just you know if we can keep putting out these positive stories maybe you know and not just not just deal with all the doom and gloom maybe it can make a difference and 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 there'll be more people that believe uh that uh people can be rehabilitated because there are so many people as there was a quote here from suella braverman who said that homelessness is a choice um and uh, people shouldn't be deserved to be helped. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with that one. And no. I think, you know, people, uh, you, you know, you're only one bad decision uh, or one tragic event away uh, from homelessness yourself. And, uh, you know, most people... And she's um, lost I, her job since she said that, by the way. And I'll tell you more um, than that. That article that yeah. you posted, it's only two days ago, but it said Home yeah. Secretary Suella Briverman. Yeah, well, definitely. guess what? She's not in her job anymore. So be careful, Suella, especially when you mock people or you cast dispersions on people with no homes yep. because it has a way of coming back and biting in I'd the ass. Uh, if if you know, I, you know, I don't wish ill upon anyone, no. but if there was some karma... Right. Mm -hmm. If Suella Braverman suddenly lost her job and then was struggling and then got made bankrupt and nearly got made homeless after making comments like that, mm -hmm. you'd believe you'd, you'd have to believe in some type of mm -hmm. karma. We have to take a break now and uh, we've got lots more stories to cover when we come back here at TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Children, children, settle down. No more Trump chants. We really, really want to hear from these candidates on the stage, and they worked really hard for us tonight. Children, settle down. Last night's third Republican debacle proved, in large part by the performance of Vivek Ramaswamy, just how irrelevant these so-called Republican debates are. Vivek took the GOP and the moderators hard into the corner before boarding them. He called out Ronna McDaniel for her consistent track record of failure and offered to give her his time so that she could come to the stage and resign. And then he said to the moderators that they should be replaced by Joe Rogan, Tucker Carlson, and Elon Musk. But his best line of the night was saying, if you want to elect Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, we've got two on stage tonight, referring to Nikki Haley and and Ron disappoints us. Nicely played, Vivek. I see what you did there. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative. This is Viewpoint. Several Soros-backed DAs are facing recall petitions, including George Gascon DA of crime-riddled Los Angeles and Parisa Dagani Tafti from Arlington County and City Falls of Church, Virginia. Steve DeSano of Fairfax County, Virginia, elected in 2019, endorsed a progressive platform typical of the left-wing DA faction, making official policy not to prosecute more than 20 different crimes, including shoplifting, for goods under $1,000. 
prostitution and indecent exposure. Loudoun County District Attorney Buta Bibaraj, who championed anti-incarceration, made headlines for personally seeking jail time for Scott Smith, a father who was arrested for misdemeanor disorderly conduct at Loudoun County School Board meeting while protesting the school board's cover-up of his 14-year-old daughter's rape in a school bathroom. Bibarage is now facing a recall petition. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yeah, welcome back. I've done, I've done more of the talking today, so I'll put it back over to you, Rick. Yeah, I would just think, uh, we're just talking during the break there, uh, you know, Natalie's saying about this time of year and we talked about it's a tough time for many, many people, probably none more so than those people who are actually living on the streets at the minute. It's bad enough having to switch off your fridge or put on an extra layer of clothes and switch on your central heating a bit later. But what if you don't have a house and you don't have a fridge and you don't have central heating, you're literally sleeping on the streets. And we've talked in the past about charities as well. I'm no big fan of supporting uh, big uh, corporation charities. So I was saying to Nat there, what you can do is, if you feel led to do so, if it's your thing, keep an eye out. Just keep an eye out as you're going through your town and you may see someone there that you know is destitute, genuinely destitute, and just go up and say, listen, how you doing? Can I get you a sandwich? Can I get you a cup of coffee? They may turn around and say, no, uh, I'm not interested. Uh, or they may say, I would really, really appreciate that. And it doesn't take much to go to a little supermarket and get them a coffee and a sandwich, give them a few quid as well. Because listen, you get this, oh, don't give them money. Don't give them money. They'll just drink. They'll just drink. If I was, I don't drink, right? But if I was on the streets, I would start drinking. Okay, because what the hell else are you going to do sometimes to numb the pain of living on the streets and also to keep warm in the wintertime? Yeah. A lot of these guys are drinking because it takes away the freezing cold during the wintertime. And also, if you drink, <laughs> if you're a drinker and a smoker, don't bitch and uh, police you're giving <laughs> to homeless people saying, oh, they shouldn't be drinking and smoking while you go into the off license later on that night. Get yourself a big bottle of wine and 20 Benson and Hedges. So don't be a hypocrite and don't don't insult people by policing them saying, nah, I'm not going to give you money because you'll just drink it. I'm going to buy you a ham sandwich instead. Maybe they need to get pissed because let's face it, if you were on the streets too, you'll be off your high horse pretty quick and probably be back on the grog too. So that's a little tip for anybody that wants to help the homeless. Don't be a bloody crusader about it either. Either do it, no strings attached, or don't do it at all. That's my little yeah. life hack on helping yeah. people on the streets. And I completely agree. I'd be a right old hypocrite, wouldn't I, as someone with a former drink and drugs problem. Yeah. No, I'm not going to give it to you, even though no. there was a t- there was a time. I just want a drink. <laughs> Natalie, I want a drink. No, you're having a ham sandwich with tomato ketchup. No drink for you, Rick. And then you go into yeah. the off-license and get yourself six bottles of Copperberg cider. No yeah. thanks. No hypocrisy of the house order. Don't no, do it. Yeah. I, I regularly used to do like three-day be- three benders and uh, not sleep from a Friday to a Monday and go into work. So I, I don't think I can say anything to anyone that might want to drink just to keep themselves warm. Do you know stagger, I mean? home, stagger home down the high street in Reading, tripping over all the homeless people, <laughs> shaking your head going, I'm not giving them any money because they'll just Drunks. drink it as you, as you nurse your hangover. <laughs> so no, don't do it. 
No, I can I can only say I can only and I can only say it now as as I'm as I'm currently sober, but as someone that's been drinking for most of their life, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be that uh, hypocrite. But yeah, no. what story have we got next, Rick? Okay, uh, well, this is an interesting one. Poland uh, is undergoing some upheavals at the minute. Poland and Hungary were the last real bastions of common sense in uh, in Europe, uh, but the European Parliament has voted to lift the immunity of four Polish governing parties MEPs who have been accused of violating hate crime laws for, listen to this, endorsing an ad that warned of the dangers of mass immigration. So they endorsed an ad warning people of the dangers of mass immigration. And because of that, they're featuring, facing potential prosecution under hate crime laws. So I'm not even going to try and say their names. They're four Polish guys. They could face charges in their homeland for racially aggravated offence. Listen, after they retweeted and liked a Law and Justice Party election video ahead. So just liking that little heart button and retweeting it on a social media platform, they could face charges for racially aggravated offences in Poland. That's the beginning of the end for that country if this goes ahead. this I mean, but before the election, we, we said and we covered it, um, obviously the Law and Justice Party uh, lost and uh, now a left-leaning uh, coalition has come in to take its place and we said it would be a very, very sad day for Poland. Everything would change overnight, and it seems like that's already happened. Uh, the video that they were talking about warned of the threats of an influx of illegal immigrants to Europe that could be linked to enclaves of Muslim refugees with sexual assault and violent attacks. Um, now, uh, accusations have been filed by a left-wing Polish activist, and I've got a couple of quotes here. Uh, one of um, the people who are accused, uh, the MEPs, have said, we are neither surprised and nor shocked by this decision. We predicted this would happen, taking account what is happening now in Parliament. We are moving on, continuing our work. We are not limited in any way. We are certainly not going to succumb to such pressure or be intimidated or limited in our political activities. Uh, So good on them. Uh, And another one of them said, they call it hate speech. This is what the brave new world of the democratic camp is supposed to look like. We would like to thank everyone who supported this democracy. So, you know, they haven't um, taken it lightly. Uh, The four people who might, you know, face uh, problems, trials, I don't know exactly what might happen to them, but they're not backing down. Uh, uh, They're standing by uh, what what they believe uh, and what they've liked and retweeted. Um, But, yeah, the four police are now in Poland and uh, things are changing very quickly. Well, here's the thing, right? Let's let's just examine the two things that they've been accused of. Number one, the video that they liked warned of the threats that an influx of illegal immigrants, so it's talking about illegal immigration into Europe, could cause and linked enclaves of Muslim left refugees. So let's be honest, when these guys come into the country, they do stay together and they're usually put up in hotels together or they're put up in B&Bs or in tent cities or in army barracks, or on the baby Stockholm barge, or wherever it happens to be. So by default, 
This is actually what happens. These people stay in the group that they came in, and it says here uh, that they could be linked with sexual assaults and violent attacks. Well, the, the Irish newspapers are just chock-a-block full of reports coming through of people that have entered the country illegally, raping, uh, murdering, uh, sexually assaulting and violence. Do Irish men do that? Of course they do. They have done since the dawn of time. But the point of the matter is that these men are entering Ireland illegally, and they haven't been vetted. So when they commit the same crimes, okay, they they could have been prevented literally by having a tighter border policy. And one of the one of the statements was that says residents uh, could be afraid to go in the streets after dark. That's exactly what's happening in a lot of small towns. Imagine that you live in a village with four hundred people, and all of a sudden, overnight, eight hundred foreign men get dumped into your village. Would it not be reasonable to say that you were afraid to go out after dark? Hell, I would be afraid to go out after dark too, in case. I'm not saying anything would happen, but you wouldn't be a human being if you didn't say, well, I'm a little bit wary about that. And it's not because they're Muslim or black. If it was 400 guys from Reading got dumped into my street and they were milling around on the street corners, white Englishmen, I would feel exactly the same way. So it's not a racial thing. This is just yeah. common sense. This is just I, natural I, instincts. I think they believe now that they've got the European Parliament behind them in, in Poland. And that's why... Uh, after the election, they've got that coalition uh, that now want uh, to basically push uh, migrants into Poland. Previously, uh, they were not doing so. Um, you can understand why they were. They were trying to warn people of the uh, problems that places like Ireland were mm -hmm. having. And apparently that's deemed as, as racist and inflammatory uh, by the European Parliament and Commission. But is it really or is are we actually having problems in the western world with it as as we see so often um what what we're being told that we're seeing with our eyes and ears isn't correct and uh, apparently according to the european parliament letting all the migrants into poland isn't going to make a difference at all and there are going to be no problems rick I, I i tend to agree with these four people me too but i think the point of this is that they're trying to frighten people uh that to say okay if we can do four meps for uh racially aggravated behavior which in this case was simply reposting a video warning people about then it'll maybe make people think twice if they think well if they got the meps for this uh there's no problem it's doing me for it so i'm going to behave myself and not do anything online somebody left a really funny comment here uh on the esther mcfay business she's been appointed as the minister for yeah. common sense i don't know if you remember monty python or not but they had a, a minister for silly walks the ministry for silly walks so somebody's put down uh, do you know who she has made the minister of funny walks <laughs> don't be surprised if there's some kind of other crazy appointment made before the end of the week to troll us even more the ministry for funny walks they've been watching monty python that way and they've said we're going to oh, do our own version and we're going I, to stick esther mcveigh in there i, I shared a, a meme with uh, uh rick yesterday uh my friend scotty on twitter was making them up um as he went along but it said the right honorary honorary uh michael gove mp minister for cocaine raving and deliberately walking through protests um so who knows maybe that that, that could be him and and uh, and, dodgy, and dodgy dancing um but there was also a, a good uh comment on the online chat from eric blair he says when you have money you have a drinking problem but when you're bust you're a drunk Mm. And uh, I completely and utterly agree. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's again, it's the poverty gap. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you can afford to go into rehab and you're a victim. Uh, but if you're poor and you're a drunk, 
Uh, then, ah, uh, it's all your own fault. And That's nobody right. should help you, Rick. Isn't that strange? That's the way it should you know, be. Yeah. If you're rich, you've got a drinking problem. And if you're poor or destitute, then you're just a bum or a drunk or a hobo. And listen, it can happen to anybody. Any of us could end up in that gutter. So don't despise yeah. those that are in there. Maybe reach out, try and help them out. Yeah. So someone with years of addiction, you can work out what you want me to be or what you would call me. Yeah. Let me know in the online chat. But go out, have a good day. Um, I'm uh, uh, I'm off. I can't remember what I'm doing today, but I'm going to go enjoy myself in the real world. Carry on uh, listening to Rick at Locked and Loaded. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go and do Pilates. I'm going to go do some exercise. Good for my body. Uh, get out and uh, stretch in and, uh, you know, that, that's what it's all about, trying not to be online 24-7. So go out, have a good day, and I'll see you tomorrow. This has been TNT, and I'm Natalie Chill.